0: everybody welcome back to the balanced parent podcast and we are continuing our conversations about play during our 30 days of play challenge and this time we are going to be talking about you you the parents and your relationship to play a lot of us go through our days as parents feeling pulled away from the things we have to do and into play with our kids. And there can be kind of a lingering sense of resentment, or I really don't like doing this, or I really don't know how to do this anymore. And I want to, in this episode, help you reconnect with play for your own pleasure and enjoyment and joy, and so that you can actually enjoy those interactions with your child. And so to help me with this conversation, I have a play expert coming in. Her name is Amanda Evans, and I'm so excited to introduce you to her. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and to talk about play. (laughs) Yeah, right. Let's geek out about play. This is one of the funnest months in my podcast. So well, Amanda, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and you know who you are and what you do? Yeah. So my name is Amanda
1: Evans and I'm the CEO and founder of my business. It's called Mind, Body, Soul, Miracles. And I'm a play-based healer. So What that means is I really, I support families to reconnect with themselves and each other. And I primarily, I support conscious parents who are feeling overwhelmed and triggered by their child's big emotions and tantrums so that they can parent with greater ease, play presence. And something that I love is really helping the parents to reconnect with their own play because kids are such great teachers of how to play and how to find the joy in the little moments. And I personally feel like that's one of the most important things. So I work with both parents and kids and primarily those sensitive, empathic little ones who have so much to teach us in the world. But what I do is I call it is I'm a master coach and I call it master coach meets Mary Poppins because it's very much like when you watch the movie, Mary Poppins of how can we bring coaching and making friends with emotions together with play because together it's like magic.
0: Yeah. So tell me what is play-based healing? It's very similar to
1: play-based therapy in a way. However, I'm an energy healer. So there is an aspect of that in the sessions, but really the idea is that in these sessions that I have with children is they're all child-led. So there's going to be toys and games and all of the favorite things that they could play with that are all around them, set up for them. And it is the space where they get to come in and they get to choose. They get to lead. What are we going to play and explore and navigate today? And the beautiful thing is when kids are playing and when they feel a positive bond, a connection and that safety with someone, which in this instance is me in those sessions, they naturally want to open up about their emotions and talk about what's on their heart and talk about what's going on in their life. And really that safety is what heals. So they get a chance to do the thing that makes them feel the most like them because oftentimes, if, especially if a child has like a label or a diagnosis, sometimes it feels like people see them as that. Whereas in the setting in these sessions, they just get to be seen and, and, really known as the person that they are, who has these passions, things they're excited about and really get to be seen in that positive light while also being supported to talk about their needs, their wants, their emotions. So within that framework, they get to play and build that positive connection with someone who feels safe while also learning tools and new ways to release their emotions, to express their emotions, to really feel safe to ask for what they need within their families but then there's something that happens with having that time with someone and the safety with someone it then integrates out into their family into their school into the society so that being safe and being themselves with one person it gets to keep expanding out to their other connections
0: Yeah, so I mean, you're talking really about play therapy. I'm a play therapist. By training, I don't do it anymore. But I do have a course called Playful Healing that is a deep dive and teaches parents how to do what you're describing. Um, the research on play-based therapy is the parent is so impactful because the attachment relationship is already there and an attachment relationship is that ideal context for healing and so for listeners if what Amanda is describing to you sounds interesting you can actually do this yourself too and so there is a course that's available to you called playful healing on my website that you can go check out that is a beautiful invitation to um, reconnect and heal your relationship with your child and just provide a a beautiful space of connection and understanding. So that's available. But I think what I wanna talk about with you today, Amanda, is how we can help parents feel more connected to play themselves. I think that so often when we grow up, we lose that childlike sense of wonder and we lose our ability to play. And so I would really love to know from you how we can help parents tap back into play for themselves, not just for their kids, but for themselves.
1: Well, first I would say really define to parents what is play to them, because I think that that's sometimes what gets in the way of parents. Like, how do I play? Because they think of play as something that their child does, whereas Mm. play can be anything. And my personal definition is play is like that thing that when you're doing it, you're so in the moment, that it's like time goes away. So play and presence really go together for me, but I think it's so personal for each person. And before you can spend time doing that thing, you need to figure out what does play mean to you? So I would encourage parents in your community to really connect with themselves and, and what that means to them and what are those activities that bring them completely into the present moment, that like remind them of like that childlike magic and innocence and that really just bring them joy.
0: Yeah, I love that. So I often describe play as a flow process. Um, Kids Mm, get into flow with their play and we talk about flow a lot in the 30 days of play challenge. And Your description is so beautiful because I think that if we ask parents, we ask grownups to think about when do you get into a flow state? They know what a flow state is. You know, that's time where kind of time slips away, where you're on the cusp of something that is challenging and interesting, but there's ease to it. Lots of runners will talk about their runs as a flow state. Yoga is a great flow state. I get into flow when I'm baking. So there's different you know, ways to get into flow. But I think if we ask parents to really reflect on when do I have that sense of, you know, the time is just passing and I'm in complete enjoyment in the present moment in what I'm doing. And I love redefining play. I think that that's so important. Well, I love that. And I love the reminder
1: about flow state because it's just, it's like pure presence and magic. Mm -hmm. And I think just that reminder of what are the things that when you do that, you really enter that state. But then I I think there's also a conversation for parents around, when do we make the time for it? Because parents have such full plates and are making sure that their children's needs are met. And so with parents, it's like, how can you, A, really block in a little bit of time to make that a priority? But the question I talk with a lot of parents about is, how can you also just make those tasks that are already on your list more playful? Like, how can you change your approach to what you're already doing and have more fun with it?
0: Okay. So when you say more playful, you mean more fun? More fun. Yeah. So what does that look like in practice? Can you give us some descriptions? Well, I think it's depending on the
1: person, but personally for me, for example, if you have things on your list that are like cleaning, doing the dishes, or all of those tasks that we do every day, or like cleaning up the toys with your kids, it's like, how can you take that activity and make it more fun? So for me, music is like yeah. always a go-to. It's like, how can I put on the favorite songs or like the family's favorite songs, make it a dance party and sing along while you're doing the activities? Or maybe it's turning the activities that you're already doing into a game. So if it's like clean up with your kids, it's like, how can we make this fun and be like, how can we do this as a team or who can clean up their side faster than the other person? And, and just really like engaging in connection with your family while you're doing these things that you might look at as one more thing on your list or one more
0: opportunity to have fun and to connect. I love that. I want to mention too for listeners who are thinking about kind of doing races and who can do things fastest that it's best if you've got siblings to either race the clock or to have the kids on a team who are racing parents because it, sibling <laughs> rivalry can really sneak in there sometimes. A personal example of something that I used to do when my kids were younger and getting out at the door to daycare and to preschool was really, really hard. I would pretend to be a flight attendant who was boarding a plane and So I would stand at the door and, you know, make announcements now, you know, boarding row, whatever, and really like get into character and then they would get loaded in. And then we would, I mean, I would be the pilot and we would, as we got up onto the expressway, I would be like, and we, you know, we have, you know, we have liftoff, our wheels are being, being tucked in. Do you hear the landing gear? You know, just the whole way. And it, you know, I only needed to do that, you know, for a week or two and, it really eased the kind of the new the rhythm of going to school and we they didn't need it every time but there were days when it was really hard like when it was hard to say goodbye it was hard to leave home um that the play really helped you know it's funny like I think that parents think and you tell me if you agree with this I think parents think that they have to be naturally silly or naturally playful to be able to do this but In actuality, your kids don't know that you might be faking it or that it might not come naturally to you or that you got the idea from a podcast. They don't know. And you don't have to tell them, (laughs) you know, they're delighted. Most kids, even if you think like your delivery and your acting is or your accent is terrible, most kids are so delighted buy it that they don't care they won't say anything about it they'll just I mean my nine-year-old will sometimes like when I'm being silly you know as to make things easier she'll be like mom I know what you're trying to do you're trying to get me to brush my teeth and I (laughs) love it and then she does you know but it's not even trickery it's yeah I am trying to make it easier for you to brush your teeth right now let's make it fun you know I love that and I love how like
1: smart kids are too that they're (laughs) I call you on those things but like you said she's like yeah that's okay I'm gonna do it <laughs> I know that's what you're doing <laughs> I'm gonna
0: you know, you. I actually when this comes out she'll yeah. be nine and she I feel like she's getting a little too cool for school for some of those oh. things and so like my six-year-old still loves to do things you know like brushing teeth games and then you know She'll be over there brushing her own teeth, kind of rolling her eyes. But then you can see her kind of inching and leaning into it a little bit, too. It's so funny. Kids are so funny. Okay, so we've talked about reconnecting to kind of and redefining what play means to us and then making some space and time for that in our busy lives, taking opportunities of things that we do every day to just make them more fun and playful in a way that's authentic, but also push ourselves a little bit. What are some other things that we can do as parents to really actually like enjoy play in our families in our well, daily lives.
1: You spoke to something really beautiful, which is, and really about making it authentic. Right. But yeah. you're saying you know, to some parents that play might feel like really silly and like you have to be a certain way. And I think that brought up a really good point about that play looks different to everyone. Mm-hmm. And so it might not be super silly, super loud, super this, because that's not how play feels good so really i would say if like you're a parent and you're still trying to figure out what play is to you and how you do it like remember it's not play isn't how somebody else plays that makes it for mm-hmm. you It's how do you feel the most like you so it's that reminder that you and your child might play in a very quiet way your play might be like snuggling in the cozy corner in your room or pulling out a book or affirmation cards or it might be journaling. And I think the reminder is that like play can be whatever feels good.
0: Yeah. You just said something there that play is where you feel most like you. Yeah. I really like that statement a lot. I I feel like I need to say it again. Play is where you feel most like you. I think mm-hmm. that that's one of the reasons why kids like play so much is because they feel completely and entirely themselves when we are with them in the present moment with their play, really witnessing them, they feel loved and unconditionally accepted when we're not trying to change their play or criticize their play or make them play the way we want them to. It's so beautiful to be seen and held in that way for kids. And I think like we have to recognize that we need that type of presence oh, and witnessing you know, and we can't wait around for someone else to give it to us. Like we have to be able to offer that to ourselves. We have to be like good moms, (laughs) good parents to ourselves. I think oftentimes we're looking for other people to witness that in us. And I think, you know, we're the grownups now. We have to kind of take on that job of, you know, being the mom to ourselves and giving ourselves that space and time to do it. Okay, so then how do we go about getting The time to do our own play. So, there's we're talking about two different kinds of play, right? So, we're talking about play with our kids, which I I hope we will talk about, like how to actually enjoy playing with your kids, because I think that that's something that lots of parents struggle with. But we're also talking about play with ourselves. So, how do we go about getting that time to actually play?
1: Well, honestly, I think it's each parent really take an inventory of what your schedule and day looks like Mm -hmm. already, because The last thing you want to do is make it one more thing that you feel like you're squeezing in because it's meant to actually like make everything feel better. And so like any new routine or any new habit to start small. So Mm -hmm. for parents, like 10 minutes, a magical number, if you can schedule in 10 minutes and it might be scheduling it at first, because it's not something that you're normally used to. And Starting just with one activity that feels playful to you. So if it is journaling, if it's coloring, if it is like your meditation, it's scheduling it in your calendar for 10 minutes and just start there. And I think that starting off your day with play changes how you feel throughout the whole day. So I know a lot of parents, they start their day off early because they're trying to make sure that they can get everything they need and then support their kids. And if you can make that first moment of your day, your play, your time, your joy, it's quite likely that what follows that is gonna be so much more present, so much more playful, so much more just like loving because you've already had space to be yourself
0: without anyone needing you Mm hmm. I really like that. You know, it's reading is one of the ways that I play. I love that since I started reading as a child. I like that was one of my plays, you know, the way that I would play. And so I wake up every morning and read in bed, you know, before I get up for the day. Well, that sounds so amazing. It's really (laughs) lovely. I, I mean, if you're a reader, it's just really lovely. You know, sometimes it's like parenting books. Sometimes it's like, you know, like, kind of self helpy type books, but sometimes it's just novels and fiction, which I really enjoy. Um so and that does help me. Like when I don't get that, I'm a little grumpier. And I like that I just I really like how we're talking about that this that play is a way to get to be yourself. I really just really like that phrasing a lot. (laughs) One other thing that I have found for me personally that lets me get my play in is to cultivate play practices and when we say play practices we're really talking about self-care you know i mean really like let's just Not like with that yeah. yeah right let's like just cut through like the coding and it, we're talking about self-care but cultivating self-care or play practices that i can do alongside my kids so like coloring and painting i yeah you know, creativity opportunities to be creative and, and make something beautiful is one of my deepest Mm -hmm. pleasures. And so doing that alongside my children, you know, so if I have my watercolors out you know, just setting up. If I'm getting my watercolors out, I just set up theirs right next to me and they can join me if they want to, or they can play independently if they want to. And another thing though too, is that I think with that, so yes, having stuff that you can do alongside your children, but I also think it's okay to set like firm boundaries around when the play is just for you. So baking is one of my forms of play. I really love love baking. But what I love about the baking is getting deep into the recipe, having the mental space and time to think about nothing else to really follow a complicated you know because baking can be hard you know so really follow a complicated recipe have no one interrupting me and just really be in the moment with it mm-hmm. I cannot do that if I'm baking with my kids that and makes so, sense. yeah and so I have to have a really firm boundary of who is this baking for is this baking for me then no I'm sorry honey we can make cookies afterwards this baking is for me you know versus if this baking is for the kids then it's a completely different experience and I have to have that internal boundary within myself do you know what i mean like of like what is the purpose of this for me yeah my play or is it for theirs yeah Um, and it's okay for it to be separate you know yeah
1: so something that it's funny i actually do this myself but i also recommend it with clients is sometimes a goal can be a personal one and some of the personal goals one that i have right now is from monday to friday i actually like it's like a checkoff thing it's i've committed to 20 minutes of pure presence and play for myself and then it's it's funny I actually do this with my dog but then another 20 minutes is just him and I with child or dog in this instance directed play so I do what I do with my clients but I do it with my dog and I do it with myself and what I've noticed is that when you hold that boundary there might be the pushback at first it's like but but I want that play. So for instance, if you're a parent and you, you might schedule this in, you might have 20 minutes. That's just your play time. Mm -hmm. And then another 20 that you're like, this is the time where we play together, where we do that thing. So maybe it's baking with yourself versus painting with your child. Mm -hmm. And because you know that you have that commitment of that time with you, just like you were saying, knowing what the purpose of your play is, versus your child, it's much easier to be able to communicate that to them. To be like, you know what, right now I'm doing this baking and this is just my time to play with me, to do this. And we will have that time together to paint at and be very clear about when it's going to happen, to really communicate. And then the more and more that it's communicated, the more and more they'll get used to it. But they also know that their needs and their desire for that connection and that play will happen because it's so clear and and then you as a parent because you've made a commitment to yourself in that time you also know that you are going to need that time
0: yeah and I mean and the thing is is that then you have to show up for your play dates with your kids you know you've got to show up and commit and you've got to show up for yourself too these are beautiful things to be modeling for our kids you know I think so many of us didn't grow up in a home where it was modeled for us and even if it was being modeled it wasn't overtly like attention wasn't overtly drawn to it you know so being able to have those firm clear boundaries of yes my sweetheart i want to read to you and right now i'm reading my book for my own enjoyment and so i'm going to finish this chapter you know i have just one more chapter to go and then i'll be able to read to you having those very clear you know boundaries it really is what it is and i think it's so important to not just model but to talk about it You know, it feels like I So I do explain to my kids why they're not invited to bake with me at that mo- <laughs> moment in time, you know, um, that this is something for me. This is one of the ways I play. Um, I really enjoy being able to concentrate. Um, I don't want to have to negotiate who gets to put what ingredient in. I want to put the ingredients and the reassuring that they're, you know, don't worry. I have a recipe planned for you too. Don't worry. After we're done, I have it all, you know, planned out. Uh, th- we'll get to make the co- your favorite cookies for sure. Sometimes I will fill their cup first with it, too. Like, if I know I'm going to be, you know, doing something that's just for me, I will do intentionally do their stuff first. Yeah. Top that cup up so that they can kind of handle it. Um. You know, there's yeah. something, too, that I feel like we're not, we're kind of skipping over, and there's a a part to this series that we're in our 30 Days of Play Challenge, and there is a part, um, at the time of recording, I haven't fully outlined it, so I don't know where the part is going to fall, but there is a part on playing with your inner child.
1: I was feeling that, too. I was like, mm-hmm. we're going to get to the inner child at yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, there's a whole episode on doing child directed play with your inner child. So there's a whole episode on that. But I just feel curious if you have any tips on that topic for us as we're reconnecting with play for ourselves. Well, you know what? There's so many different
1: things with your inner child. But first off, like my favorite question to ask people is how they played as a child. Yeah. Because oftentimes that has to do with how we still enjoy Play with ourselves now, mm-hmm. and so I would encourage that just that self-discovery of like really whoever's listening to this right now is like take time to go down memory lane of like mm-hmm. when you were a little kid and you were so happy in the moment and playing. What were the things or the games that you played? Mm-hmm. Because asking that question is going to prompt those memories, which A, is already like so good for your brain and neuroplasticity and all of that goodness. But also just even visualizing and remembering, it A, like brings the inner child out. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it activates that feeling of really getting into our parasympathetic nervous system of already starting to feel calmer and more playful. But once you ask that question and you hear the answers, it gives you a window into what connects you with your inner child. So for instance, I'll speak about me when I was little, um, I was very nurturing. And so I always loved any sort of like mothering or role play game. So mm-hmm. I was all about playing house at school and I loved Barbies. So I like got to make up my stories. I honestly have this theory about if you ask anybody what their Barbie story was when they were little, it, tends to say a lot about them and their life now or what they do. (laughs) But when I think about that, I immediately like feel my connection with my inner child as a little kid. And then I think about if I'm doing inner child directed play, what games am I going to be playing? What did she, what did little Amanda like? And then how can I do that again now to really connect with my inner child? So I might bring some of those activities back I might bring Barbies or I might even visualize about it or I might consider doing something that is related to that now. So for instance, if you were a kid who really liked to build Lego, you might start thinking about how could you do that in grown-up ways now? Or how do you build in your own life? Or what do you want your playtime to look like? Is it actually maybe getting Lego again and building something? Or is it noticing in your life where you're already doing those things so Mm -hmm. where do you build in your daily life or what do you love about what you're already doing because I think that's the big question it's it's we think it's one more thing we have to do but sometimes connecting with our inner child reminds us of all the ways we already play in our life but I would also say there's so many ways to connect with your inner child which I'm sure you're going to touch on too but some ways that I've really learned is there's different techniques but First off, if you just bring out toys and I work a lot with kids and it's like literally bringing out puppets, <laughs> but having conversations with them and something you can do is it's called the empty chair process. Yeah. And it's, it's a technique I've learned in coaching, but I know it's the way that I've connected with my inner child. And what you do is you have a conversation with your inner child. So you might set up two chairs in front of each other and you as a grown up, sits in one. And then you're going to ask questions to your inner child and then go to the other side and hear the answers because it might just be, what do you need to feel safe today? Or what do you want to do to play today? And by asking the question, you leave room for the answers. That little you that's inside is going to feel safe to communicate what their needs and what their desires are and how they want to
0: play with you. Yeah.
1: So then you can listen, just like you do with your kids and then make space for that.
0: Yeah, and so one thing that like as you were talking that I think that doing this process is really important. Um, So lots of the parents I talk to, who don't like playing with their kids, don't like playing with their kids because their kid is so bossy during the play. Mm -hmm. And they feel like their kid's never listening to any of their ideas and that they always get told, no, don't say that and told what to do and they don't like it. And uh, my theory on this is that it's because for those parents, there is an inner child who doesn't get to play anymore and who desperately wants to be playing. And that if we are nurturing and taking care of the inner child through our own play and outside times, and we learn to sit back and let our children's playtime with us be for them and our the unmet needs of our inner children are being met elsewhere out in our own play we can let our play with our children be for them which is what it's supposed to be for right so i i think that the inner child aspect of play is actually really important for parents to be able to achieve presence with their children's play and actually be child directed in the play with their children. Because otherwise sometimes not all parents, but some parents have very loud inner children who've been ignored for a very long time.
1: Yeah, and they just want their needs to finally be. Yeah, met they just want to
0: play, yeah. you know? <laughs> I mean, and so this happens with dads a lot. A lot of the dads I work with really struggle with this because I think even more than women, play has been taken from dad, from men. Boys are forced to grow up and abandon their feelings so early in our culture, so early. And so when they sit down to play Lego with their sons or their daughters, it's really, really hard for them to hold back because they've got a vision too inside them. I mean, so in those instances, I really... I recommend having a separate set of Legos for those, for those. Yes, Yes. going to the toy section in Target and like getting out of your head and just like noticing which one jumps off the shelf and buy it for yourself. It's 20 bucks, you know, it's okay to, you know, spend that on yourself. And you don't have to share it with your child either. You can put it together for yourself just to please and enjoy yourself too and that will let that inner child by meeting that your inner needs your own needs first it allows you to be more present and available to your child's needs you know do you
1: agree oh completely yeah no you're like speaking to the heart (laughs) of what I also believe and it's so true it's like we all just needed that space to keep playing and to keep being in touch with our emotions so I love what you're saying about the dads and just Not being afraid to have their own Lego or their own set of toys, and really go back to that space of connecting with themselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this is something too that I like. I just you know, so I focus a lot on partners in parenting. So being good. Yeah, I love that. I think like we have to recognize that if we're parenting with a, a partner who we love, who we're in a couple relationship with, it's such a gift to prioritize the other person's pleasure and play to, to really give them opportunities to play, you know, so this is something that my husband and I do all the time. We sit down at the beginning of our week in our family meeting and we take a look at how our mom and dad going to get a chance to play. I mean, we don't always use those that. words, but how, yeah. you know, how is dad going to get his golf game in? How is mom going to yeah. get her walks and yoga in? We really look at it carefully and advocate for each other, you know, stick up for each other. Yeah. It's, it's important. I, I think play is so important. I'm um, not just for kids, for us too. It takes practice as well. I I think it takes time to relearn how to play, and so I hope all of our listeners are going to be really gentle and gracious with themselves as they re reconnect and relearn how to do this. Yeah, and I love what you're saying just your focus in the partnership but also really understanding
1: each other's inner child and mm-hmm. each other's favorite ways to play or give themselves the self-care that they need and really like honoring it. Yeah. So it can be easy to be like, well, oh, but I want to do this and we need to do this. But that conversation that you have at the beginning of the week is so beautiful of like, really being like, how can you get that time? And how can I get that time? And how do we all have the space to do what we love and feel like ourselves?
0: Yeah. Oh gosh. You just keep coming back to that statement. feel like ourselves. I yeah. really like that. I feel like I need to explore that a lot in some <laughs> journaling. I really just like like that idea that play is where we feel most like ourselves Mm -hmm. we all need that chance oh that's so beautiful thank you Amanda for bringing that nugget to us I really appreciate it And
1: I've always found that like why I find play so important is it takes the pressure off it like like I know that growing up I like I was a total perfectionist I felt like I had to be perfect in every way and I think that play is the space where there's no expectation, and that's why we feel like ourselves. It's like who are we if we're not performing? Who are we if we're not needing to complete a task? Who are we when we're just being?
0: Yeah, I think that our productivity culture gets in the way of our place so much. It's yeah. something that I grapple with in my art all the time. You know, because I, that's I that. will paint and I'll be like. I get why do I want to paint? What am I going to do with all these paintings? They don't do serve a purpose, you know? And so productivity absolutely can get in the way of play. And at the same time, it's really important to exercise that muscle of releasing a pull towards productivity, which is really just a cultural thing. That's been forced upon us anyway, you know, absolutely. Okay. So Amanda, tell us where people can find you and connect with you. Obviously we have your links in the show notes, but sometimes folks like to hear it out loud. For sure.
1: So you can find me on Instagram. It's mind underscore body underscore soul underscore miracles. Or you can just head to my website. So it's com, And there's plenty of information about me there. But you can also just connect with me on there or, or book a 30 minute connection session. I would love that
0: all right well thank you so much amanda i really appreciate your expertise and everybody who's following along with the 30 days of play challenge i hope that you are enjoying it you can always reach out to me with your questions i want to support you in this and make sure that the challenges is exactly what you need to start your year off right so thanks so much amanda for joining us and helping us with this conversation my pleasure thank you for having me And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, That's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too.